Welcome to Learning Objective 7. And in this session, we're going to be looking at project risk and issue management. Specifically, we're going to be looking at defining the term risk. We'll be explaining the purpose of risk management, looking at the different stages of the risk management process and describing the use of risk registers. So let's start by understanding what risk management is. Risk management is a process that allows individual risk events and overall risk to be understood and managed proactively. It enables us specifically to identify threats so that we can minimise them. These are negative risks and it allows us to maximise opportunities. These are positive risks. So let's take a moment to think about what a risk is. A risk is an uncertain event that can happen that will have an impact on our project. As we've discussed, that might be positive or negative. An example might be of a negative risk that a, su a supplier goes bust and therefore we won't get the supply of materials we were expecting and we would need to plan a response to manage that. Or we might identify that a product that we were developing was likely to have a higher demand than we were expecting and this would be a positive risk known as an opportunity. So who's responsible then for risk management? Risk management is the responsibility of the project manager. He will put together, he or she will put together the project management plan which is then signed off by the sponsor. But throughout the risk management process risk owners will be identified that are accountable for specific risks within the risk register. But it will remain the project manager who oversees this throughout the life cycle. And what are the benefits of, of doing risk management to the organisation? Well, one, it provides greater confidence to the organisation that a project will deliver. As we know, schedules and plans are based on estimates at the beginning of the project. But by undertaking rigorous risk management processes that identify risks and enable us to put mitigation plans in place, we're much more likely to succeed in eventual delivery. It supports good governance. It makes sure that we have an understanding of risk over time and provides us with important information and statistics that can be used to support lessons learned. So there are lots of benefits to undertaking effective risk management. Let's now understand the risk management process. At the beginning of the risk management process is a stage called initiation. This is where first we must seek to understand the overall project aims and objectives. We need to understand the success criteria in terms of time, quality and cost, as well as any outcomes and benefits that are expected from the project. By doing this, we're then able to think about the areas where risk may occur. Also within the initiation phase, we need to put together the risk management plan. The risk management plan will set out the roles and responsibilities for risk management. It will also include any requirements for risk reporting, any metrics to be used in terms of how we will measure risk and the terminology to be used. And it will also include any templates, standards or processes that need to be considered for risk management. It does not, however, include any of the risk events themselves or responses. These will be contained within the risk register. The next phase in the risk management process is the identification of risk. 
We do this by using a variety of techniques that may include brainstorming, using questionnaires, interviewing key stakeholders, um, or looking at checklists or lessons learned. By using a variety of these techniques, we can then establish a comprehensive list of risks. Next in the process is the assessment of those risks. This will involve understanding the probability or likelihood of a risk occurring, together with the impact should it occur. And by combining these two things, we can make an assessment of the overall severity of that risk in terms of a medium, low or high risk. This can then be plotted into what's called a risk matrix. And by using a simple colour coding of green for low, amber for medium and red for high, it provides a very useful visual representation for the overall threshold of risk within the organisation and whether or not that exceeds uh, what is acceptable to the organisation. Once we've assessed these risks, we can then re plan responses to these risks. And the planned responses may differ depending on whether they are seen as a negative risk or threat or a positive risk called an opportunity. Planned responses will include things like whether we avoid the risk by changing the objectives for the project so that the risk can't occur, or whether we mitigate the risk by actually putting in place actions that will reduce the either probability or the likelihood of the risk. Or we might choose to transfer the risk outside to a different organisation by using insurance. There are a range of responses that we can use. Similarly, for uh, positive risks such as opportunities, there are also a range of responses that we can use. Again, we might choose to enhance the probability or likelihood of a risk. For example, if we identify that a product which we're developing might have an increased demand to that which we expected, we might choose to invest more money into the product so we can exploit that, that uh, opportunity. There'll also be, we might reject an opportunity. Um, an example of this would be if we were had an opportunity to get early delivery of a product by incentivizing our suppliers, but we didn't have the support organization in place to enable that, we might choose to re reject that risk. For details of all the responses that you might be able to take in terms of risk management, please do refer to your PFQ book. <clears throat> Once we've planned the responses, we then need to implement the responses. This means making sure that each response is properly resourced, is allocated to an appropriate uh, risk owner, and then is monitored and tracked with any actions expedited as required. The project manager retains overall responsibility as part of continuous improvement for ensuring that all actions are completed and that risks are monitored effectively throughout the course of the project. Once the period in which the risk can actually arise has passed, we can close the risk, and this is the final stage in the process. After this point, there's no requirement for further tracking of the risk. However, these closed risks do provide an important source of information, feeding into lessons learned. Let's now take a quick look at the risk register. The risk register is used to document risks, analysis, responses and ownership of actions and status. 
It normally comprises of a numeric identifier for the risk, a clear description of the risk, an evaluation of the risk in terms of its likelihood and its impact, which results in an overall severity score. It will then show any mitigating actions that have been taken and it will allocate a clear owner. Lastly, it will then show the results of the evaluation of a risk following mitigation and it will have a date of when it was last addressed. This should remain live throughout the project until the risk is actually closed and is used by the project manager to ongoingly check the status of risks and ensure that any actions have been expedited by their owners. You may now want to take a moment to consider risks on your own project. Can you identify several risks for your project? Select one of them now and think about it in terms of its probability of occurring and its likelihood. And you can then give it a rating in terms of whether that overall severity is high, medium or low. Think about the appropriate response for the risk that you've identified and what action should you take and who indeed should be the appropriate owner. By doing this, hopefully you can see the benefit of, of practical risk management. In part two of Learning Objective 7, we're going to be looking at issue management. Specifically, we're going to define the term issue. We're going to outline the purpose of issue management differentiate the difference between an issue and a risk, and then state the different stages of the issue resolution process. So what are issues in issue management? An issue can be described as something that has or will happen. It deals with certainty. It may have arisen as a result of a risk that has been identified earlier and has now occurred. So how does an issue differ from a risk? A risk deals with uncertainty. It's something that might occur. As we said, an issue is something that has or will occur. An issue, therefore, must be dealt with reactively, whereas a risk can be dealt with proactively. And how is an issue different to a problem? In project management terms, a problem is something that can be resolved within the team. It doesn't require escalating to higher levels of authority. An issue, on the other hand, is something that has already gone outside the delegated authority provided and needs to be escalated for resolution. This will be typically to the sponsor and sometimes may need to go to the executive board for resolution. Issue management, then, is described by the APM as a process by which issues can be identified and addressed to remove the threats that they pose. What are the benefits then of managing issues? Well, obviously, if we create a culture in which issues are dealt with quickly, we can minimise the impact to our project. It means we're more likely to identify problems early and that we'll have, it supports good governance. It also means that we can increase, show, demonstrate confidence to senior managers by showing that we're managing issues effectively and promptly as they arrive. So what then is maybe a barrier to issue management and sometimes them being resolved effectively? It is sometimes simply down to a lack of time to process issues. It may not be resourced effectively or we may not have an effective process in place. Sometimes a barrier can be that the issues are delegated up to very senior levels of authority 
and the availability of those senior executives is, is limited. And that can result in a slowing down of the process that fails to get issues resolved quickly. It also may be that there exists a kind of corporate blindness where we're not aware of our own weaknesses within the organisation. Perhaps we have insufficient skills within the team and that's why issues are arising. So what does a good issue resolution process look like? The first step is to log and analyse the issue quickly. The reason to do this quickly is because the impact as a result of the issue may get worse over time. For example, if you were to have an oil spillage and that's not addressed quickly, then the more time that passes, the worse the issue gets. And that, of course, will increase the cost and time spent on it. If an issue has arisen as a result of a risk previously identified, you need to make sure you update the risk analysis and make sure that's updated in the risk register. You then need to make sure that the issue is effectively escalated to the delegated authority, typically the sponsor, although as we've mentioned that sometimes may need to go to the executive board. Once the sponsor has been able to make a decision, then the issue actions to resolve the issue need to be assigned to a team member. And this needs to be documented in the issue log. In the issue log. <clears throat> Next, if the actions require any change to the baseline scope or quality, then this needs to be updated using the project change control processes. And then lastly, you need to continue to track and manage that process so that you can identify the actions that have been identified have been expedited and completed so that the issue can be closed. So let's just consider now what would be in an issue log. An issue log would contain a typically a numeric identifier for the issue, the date the issue was raised, a clear description of the issue and its impact. Um, this will typically be done in a numeric number of one to five, the severity of the impact. It'll then be allocated an owner and this will be noted. And then any agreed actions will also be captured. It will then be dated with the date of the last uh, review of the issue and the status in terms of whether it's still open will be recorded. This ensures records are kept, which supports good governance and enables us to demonstrate that the project is being well managed. 